Welcome, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the How for Her Human Expansion Realized podcast. These podcasts are the creative artistry inspired by our weekly Gather for Her conversations that take place in real time. They are the culmination of co-created and harvested wisdom that is palpable during these gatherings around our virtual fire. Our hope is that in a practice of deep listening with us here, you will feel our hands at your back in the journey of realizing your own personal expansion, leaving each listening experience with a spark that ignites your how. This week's guest is healer, activist, and filmmaker, Sammy Bass. Bridging the gap between ancestral knowledge and modern culture, she's woven her passion and purpose together to create multidimensional impact that reaches from grassroots to global impact. I grew up watching movies as such an escape. I I grew up in Manhattan, and so uh, my concept of the world outside of a very dense city was through the fantastical and imaginative worlds created for me by movies. And I think we see ourselves in movies. We see ourselves reflected in storytelling. And so to exclude healing and to exclude culture and tradition from that and, and behave as though they're two separate things is to really kind of diminish the value and impact that movies have regardless of whether we infuse them with that or not. So we can tell stories that don't have that true texture and meaning, or we can start to combine both and and have, you know, the full human spectrum and experience in the stories we're telling. Mm-hmm. So before we jump into my first official question, I, I wanted to just pause and, um, and, and just, I, I'd love the co-host, like I'd love you to just, what's coming up for you this morning? Like what's, what's arising from this conversation already? I'll jump in. <laughs> as, as you were talking, Shar and Sammy was talking, I was thinking about how, you know, a, a col- colonized leadership is separates the personal from the professional. And as we decolonize leadership, it's really interconnecting those, right? That, that it is, um, it's not the personal and the professional. There's a there's a there's an interwoven um, relationship, co-created relationship, and and that has to come from a place of healing, right? If it's going to be connected to change making and system shifting, and so that's that's what's coming up for 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 me right now. So thank you. As you're saying that, the word wisdom keeps popping into my mind, and it's like. When we ask for wisdom, we don't look for someone who has one specific answer to a question. And we even hear this in like our very colonized and like very masculine approach to success is like diversify your portfolio, get into a different. It's like we understand collectively that wisdom is a very like shardy is your word, as you say, braided and very communal thing. But then we're like taught to really like segment and put in boxes, um, you know, a lot of different facets of our lives. And, and, and we need to really lead the way in terms of changing the vernacular, right? Yeah. And, um, and not being uh, afraid of it. So, you know, when you're, when you're, t- yeah, the way, the way that we've done it in the, in the past has been a particular vernacular that separates the two. And our opportunity is to, is to 
merge them and marry them and not to and not to be afraid to do that but do it boldly and bravely and um uh, in in whatever form it needs to be done so yeah that's that's beautiful thank you and of course i love the word wisdom you know bridging the gap between ancestral knowledge and modern culture i was like wow like those are such polar places in a story right ancestral knowledge is like right at time like right at creation itself and then modern culture right now and the gap is really big that's a big space and when I, I think my my question or my in, inquiry, I guess, is um, um, navigating the gap. <laughs> um, and I, I, I'm, I, I hear the word bridging is the verb. I'm like, I'm eating the bridging, right? So we're bridging this and, and yet a bridge goes over and I so don't get that that's what you do at all. I'm like, oh no, she's a gap walker. That's what she <laughs> is. So I would love to hear whatever you might want to offer um, in this space. Even even if I want to um, remind us too that that people watching might not even know there's a gap, um, mm. or they might not even um, yeah. Just like let's let's. I would love to start with just establishing what a gap even is, maybe. Wherever you want to go, though, I hand it to you. Yeah, let's talk about the gap. Yeah, <laughs> that's a great place to start. Yeah, oh, wow, that is such, um, there's so many layers to that question, so I really appreciate you targeting the gap as a, as a place to start. And I think, like, the flood of information that's coming to mind is, I'm for some reason, this memory popped to mind, so I'm just going to throw it out there. When I was a little kid, I fell between the gap, in the gap between the subway and the subway platform. And I remember being down there like between the train and the platform and thinking, it is so dark down here. Like I can't see, once you're in there, you you can't see the train anymore. You can't see, you just have to trust. Um, and so now it's very clear where that memory came to point. But that is sort of, right, we have like this fast moving train, which is technology, which is society, which is everything that we've created and put a lot of um, hard work into, but we've, we've come so far, it's like building up from the earth that we've forgotten that there is knowledge in the earth, that there is knowledge innately within us. And we didn't get here, you know, through our ancestors having the same technology. And so what they use in order to be able to reproduce and in order to be able to survive was their innate knowledge, was the knowledge that comes with our bodies, that comes with us being a part of nature and being connected to the earth and understanding those ebbs and flows, which also means understanding our natural processes, which is another thing that I think gets lost a little bit in modern societies. We have a very masculine approach to thing, which is a very, um, it's very external, it's very protective, and it doesn't really allow for, like you said, the water under the bridge, that like emotion, that flow, that which connects us. And so there has become a gap where I think we've become very focused in a specific way that we've almost lost the texture of communication and we've lost a bit of that grounding and we've lost, um, 
our, our ability to communicate in a specific way. And it doesn't mean that it's not there. We're just very out of practice. It's like after COVID when everyone was like, I don't remember how to do small talk anymore. It's, it's not that we can't, like we're, we're gonna figure it out, it's there. Um, but it might take us a second or two. And so um, it's remembering that the way society is now is not inherent. It, it doesn't just exist this way. We don't have to just ascribe to the way that things are that we are choosing to look in a specific direction. We are choosing to participate in a specific way um, with a lot of the privileges we have, which also I think needs to be said that there is a lot of communities without water, without food that are actually struggling and, and perhaps don't have the privilege to participate the same way. Um, but we can recenter ourselves and start to look in a different direction and say, what, what else is there? Is there an alternative to this? Is there something we can add to this? Is there a broader spectrum um, than what we have been taught? And I think those are the two, two sides of the bridge there. Um, and also how do these inform each other? How can they reflect each other? And how can they help each other? Because there's, there's absolutely knowledge and wisdom in both. For me, the, um, you talk about the land and, and, and nature and our connection to that. And to me, that's a very matriarchal um, a, a viewpoint. And the work that you do uh, in film, it's, it's very, um, that industry is very patriarchal. So I'm, I'm just wondering, how do you, uh, how do you, how do you work in that industry, knowing what you know, as, as with, you know, like how, how do you manage that? So how do you keep yourself grounded um, and knowing what you know? Yeah, as you say that, I just get this like rush of chills like up through my hips and my arms because that's um, I think that's a process that I'm still trying to learn and figure out, um, and that it's very complicated and it comes with a lot of eye rolls at work sometimes of just frustrated and how how do I um, serve both of these both of these communities at the same time and um, a thing that I've that maybe I can um, thank my New York City upbringing for is that I've always been very steadfast um, when I trust myself. And so when, like we're saying that, like feminine, the divine, knowing that intuition, that feeling, um, we, we, I think we know what's right and what's wrong morally in a general sense, right? Like on a scientific level with the production of oxytocin, but also in just like a spiritual level of existing as a human being. Um, and it's always very important to me to make sure that that is stood for. And I believe that when you have a voice, if you have a voice, if you have the strength, it's your responsibility to speak for the smallest, the meekest, the shyest, the most underprotected. Um, and so it, it comes with a lot of conflict. I mean, I've found I've found it much easier as a producer um, and, and serving in that role because I do have the opportunity to say, no, we're not going to do that. We're not going to behave that way. We're not going to treat people this way. Um, but there are absolutely times when I feel completely overrun by the people around me and I have to, um, 
you know, I have to center and sometimes means walking outside and taking a deep breath and saying, what is the alternative approach? Um, sometimes it means leaving a job because it's just not right. And, um, and so it is very complicated and it feels very fraught. And I think a hard part of that is there's so many storytellers, much like myself, who got into the industry um, to do good and, and to connect and to help people. And we have found ourselves um, intentionally or inadvertently becoming activists because we haven't found space to just be, to just present, to just participate. Um, and so I think that we're still slowly navigating that. And I think um, for me, it's it's knowing that all of the choices I make are things I can go home with and things that I can sleep with, um, regardless of how complicated that feels in the moment. I'd, I'd love to kind of pop in here because um, I think as change makers, there's a couple of um, pieces with Sammy's story and her journey that we can actually overlay in terms of how do you shift the trajectory? How do you how do you live this? So I'm just going to reflect some of the pieces and I'm going to ask those of us on the call to um, listen from from our lens of what we're up to as well. So here's what I know. Um, Sammy is not doing this alone. In fact, there's a constellation of very, very amazing filmmakers who are intuitives and uh, spiritual, whole, amazing uh, creators. And um, Avalon Story is where you can find many of them. That's how uh, Sammy and I got interconnected. And um, when we came together this summer from, you know, different places, it was so amazing to see that we came together from different places at different ages and times in our lives, but yet we were, we were so united. It was almost surprising, like energetically, we were, it was like so amazing. The other, the other piece that I'll have us reflect on is that, um, Sammy has created an alternative platform. So she has used um, technology to actually create a different opportunity. So much like the work that we are doing in Powerhouse and communicating and gathering and sharing and activating and amplifying in different ways, uh, Sammy has actually founded a nonprofit um, called Movies by Her. And I'd love to chat about that for a few minutes because unless there is an alternative, unless we start doing something differently, we can get stuck in the loop, right? And um, Movies by Her, I'll just read you a little, a tiny bit about it, and then I'm, I'm going to pass to Sammy. But what I love is, is it, it really does kind of tie into our theme of braiding for impact. So it is a site um, that that catalogs, it promotes, it, it shares women's films, and it provides filmmakers direct access to their audience. So it in, in fact removes uh, the middleman and it makes room for meaningful, meaningful storytelling by providing space, by providing and holding space, that sounds familiar, um, for filmmakers to showcase their work 
and space for audience members to find the stories that aren't necessarily splashed all over the big screens. So Sammy, I'm just curious, like what that brings up for you when I, when I, you know, when we start diving into, hmm, this is potentially one vehicle for change that we're digging into. Yeah. It, um, so Movies by Her actually started as like a companion resource to our friend Naomi McDougal Jones's uh, TED Talk on how to be a woman in Hollywood. Um, and the response that we got just from providing that resource was was kind of impressive. Um, and our tagline is power to the audience. And I think that's one of the most important parts to me is um, that very much like we've been talking about in the healing sphere, um, in filmmaking itself, but also in, in these sort of projects is re-empowering people. And um, I think in, in the sort of masculine approach that we've had to society or in a very um, capitalist approach to society, we, we've developed this sort of like overarching power that nobody quite knows who, who it is. And I, I'm sure we've all heard people say, oh, they would say, or I, they're not okay with that. Or like, and it's like, who are they? Who are these people? Who are, who is this imaginary power that we've like put all over ourselves? Um, and so this concept is like, if we can re-empower people, if we can give people their autonomy back, if we can re remind people that they have choice and that we have a, as a collective and as a community are what builds the systems. The systems don't have to be our overseers. They don't have to run us. They don't have to tell us. We can inform them. Um, and we see this even in our government, right? At least like politics reflect the body as a whole, right? And, People don't pass new laws because some politician somewhere was like, I think maybe we should start talking about human rights. You know, it's like, no, the, the people are saying it and we just have to remind the people that they have that autonomy, that they have that power and that they are so important, right? Because as a filmmaker, I'm making for my audience um, and not that I don't want some big studio to give me $25 million to make the next Jurassic Park, that would be lovely. But if no one's gonna watch it, why am I telling a story? And so I think the audience needs to remember that they're being sold to in a business sense from Hollywood, right? Hollywood says this actor is bankable, this project is bankable, this idea has made us money before. But what they're not doing is gambling on what does the audience want? What, are, what is the audience asking for? What is society going through right now that they need to hear and see more of? And so, our concept is is to show audiences it's not just the previews and the trailers that you're seeing you know on billboards when you drive down the highway or on youtube when you're trying to watch a video these options are actually out there and there's filmmakers actually making these things for you and filmmakers also want to be in touch with you you know they want to hear from you they want to know how you're reacting how things are landing what you want to see more of um and that you're, you know, you're spending money, so really you're propping this business up. And let's remind you that you have that kind of power. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure what I'm going to say here, but I can feel <laughs> the impulse, so I'm just going to go. Um, the, like in this place of a gap, my noticing is that um, independent film doesn't exist anymore. It literally mm -hmm. is just film now, and. Mm -hmm. Whereas there used to be these two, and not to say that on paper and on, you know, follow the money, that there isn't 
two camps, you know, with a big gap in the middle. But in terms of voices in the marketplace, um, it's like the, the independent thing is now, as you said, is an option. And, um, and, and there's what I'm curious about is what you're noticing around, um, am I curious about this? No, I'm just going to name this that sometimes there's an edge in like, as in when, when that independent voice pops and starts to become, wait a minute, the people are talking, it can come with an edge. And what I, so, because that's the, that's the thing that pierces the membrane. And yet what I, not yet, and what you're offering is what I hear anyways, there doesn't have to be an edge. There doesn't have to be, the edge doesn't have to pierce. There is, there's healing and there's, there's wholeness here. And I just wonder if um, you can speak to, um, I guess maybe I'm asking about the piercing thing, the the being seen, the driving thing, or, or just what comes up for you after what I've just offered. Yeah, I'm. as you're describing that, I'm seeing it as like an inflammation to an injury, right? It's like when we're like constantly doing this thing, like the injury can't heal, you have to wait for the inflammation to go down so that the healing can happen. Um, and I think that we have all been very centered and in a me-oriented way and, and that capitalism and even, you know, post-colonial society kind of orients us that way. It's, it's about the me, it's about how much can I accomplish and that my value is extrinsic and out there, which does turn it into a fight, right? If your importance threatens my importance, then we need we need to go at this with an edge, like you were saying. But I think when we, if we can drop that, if we can find our value intrinsically, if we can remember that we're worthy of, of love just by existing, um, we have the opportunity to find our importance in community and to find our importance um, in so many different ways than what we've been taught. And so it like, it relaxes this inflammation. Like we can take a deep breath. Um, and these are the moments when, you know, we as women see other women's success as our success, um, or we as minorities see other minority success as our success, right? Because our communities are growing, our communities are discovering, our communities are paving pathways, and it's not just about the me, it's about it's about the collective. I really love you naming, giving us a visual for inflammation. What a beautiful um, gift for us to walk through the world when we see inflammation in the media and be able to see it for what it is versus seeing it as you know, the next thing that's driving forward. No, it's actually a reaction. It's a response. It's not a drive. It's a reaction. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Oh, go ahead, I just Jen. wanted to say what stood out for me was what, when you said, um, if, if your importance threatens my importance. Like I've never heard it. I know what you, we've, we've, we've said that in, in different ways, but just the way you said that just stood out for me. And it's like, wow. Yeah. When your importance threatens my importance, then we we have to duke it out or something. <laughs> you know, we have to come to some kind yeah. of a, a, a decision. Yeah. This is a very scary way to live. If like our importance and our worthiness is projected somewhere else, and we have to constantly achieve and compete in order to feel it. Yeah, thanks for thanks for saying that, Sharon, because that actually that line stood out for me as well. And it reminds me of the importance of of braiding, 
right, for, of, of, of braiding, because then it's that interwoven um, connectedness and worthiness, right, that is intrinsic. So one of the things, though, that I'm going to take us in a bit of a di different direction, and I'm going to use um, Tina's word edge, but I'm going to use it differently, because one of the questions that was coming up for me, particularly in this conversation, one of the things about um, systems is systems exist in patterns, and it's just patterns of behaviors, patterns of ways of doing things. And when we shift systems, we're shifting patterns, which forces the rest of the system to respond to this pattern shift. And normally systems want the status quo. So it'll find a way to like, let's eliminate the disruptor, let's right, and go back to status quo, <sighs> right? That Because that's a place of comfort. And so part of shifting a system is really around bravery and actually living on your edges, right? And and moving into the edge of the, that place of discomfort that's not, that's not, dangerous and um, and say self-harming but actually living in a place of that that just that that those edges where we push those edges so that the system shifts what are ways that you because um, you're living in you're living in your edges how do you how do you make sure that you're continuing to live in your and in, in that place of gentle discomfort that's not that inflamed place, but actually that place from, so this goes back to, sorry, I'm gonna give you a long preamble here. It goes back to weight training, right? It goes when you, to build a muscle, you go to the gym and you lift heavier weights than you could the last time and you break down the muscle and that comes back to inflammation. And then the rest and the healing are what brings it so that you can go back again and lift just a little bit more and a little bit longer. And so it, it really is connected to inflammation. How do you live on your on your edges? I guess I'll, I'll stop there. Yeah. I also love that all of our metaphors today are body metaphors, which is like our nature. It's it's how we're, we exist in nature, which is such a beautiful thing. Um, the first thing that came to mind was like a lot of crying. So I feel like I'll just say that. Um, there was a lot of tears that happened in this process. And I feel like that's a thing that people don't normally cover is like activists go home and cry um, because it's hard, you know? And and um, I think a thing that people don't talk about a lot is grief. And we are creatures of comfort and creatures of safety. You know, we are very vulnerable. We exist with a very thin skin. You know, we get killed by bears and other animals throughout history. We're vulnerable beings. Um, and so existing in that comfort is nature. Like, it's what we want. And and shedding that, pushing out of that also comes with, with grief and, and the space for that grief. And that's what I think. That's like that repair of the muscle, the rebuilding, the healing um, is is a lot of it is making making sure I come home and meditate, making sure I come home and take care of me. Um, because we have to shed things we've held on to and things we've held dear. And this, you know, this happens a lot in life generally. Like if you move out of your home that you grew up in, whether you were with your parents or whatever, you're leaving a comfort zone. And so kids get depressed when they go to college or when they start work or whatever. You know, so whenever we move a comfort zone, we grieve what we had a little bit. Um, and I think building an innate sense 
of inner trust is integral, right? Because like we were saying before, when the opinions are out there, when the how-to is out there, when, when everything is outside of yourself, doing these things feels crazy because they're not telling you to do it. They're not telling you how to do it. They're not going to. So coming back to a sense of inner trust, of inner knowing, and that's where that return to nature, the, the ancestors, those kind of roots become so important because they can drive that forward. And so it's, it's a fine balance of remembering that you are part of the collective, take care of you, um, that your collective is built in a sense of trust and mutual understanding and that you can reach back to your ancestors through meditation and healing or whatever. You can reach to your current ancestors, which are your community and the people around you um, and trusting in that. And then knowing your limits, knowing when and where and, and remembering that it's gonna come with pain and that it's gonna come with grief. And even if it is good progress, it can still be uncomfortable to shed a comfort zone no matter how deleterious it might have been and I'm, I'm making space for that too oh my gosh thank you <laughs> i just want you to know what happened actually um when you uh, when you said about about crying and grief what was so funny is that what, what you may not realize is that on the screen the four of us tina and i have these visceral reactions right to things that are said you know we respond and and uh and you had all four of us viscerally reacting which is kind of amazing <laughs> We joke about what happens on the screen, but all four of us had this visceral reaction, his head nodding in this, you know, <laughs> this heartfelt response. So, it, it was so the that, line. That happened. Activists go home and cry. I, yes. That's a great line. I, I want to ask you something about that. I was listening to, um, uh, I think it's called Limitless, a podcast. It's actually a, a musician's podcast. And it was featuring Danny Elfman and Danny Elfman was talking about how, uh, and Rob Lowe. Um, so Rob Lowe talked about how Prince opened for the Rolling Stones. And when Prince opened for the Rolling Stones, he was literally, he literally had garbage thrown at him and booed oh. off this Prince booed off the stage. When Danny Elfman had the Chili Peppers open for Oingo Boingo, this is back in the 80s, knowing my age, and um, <laughs> they were literally also booed off the stage. And in both of those moments, it was pre, it was before the audiences were ready for them. Literally one year later, the audience was like, oh my God, you're the best thing ever. But the no. point that I, that I wanna make is that um, Prince canceled the tour with the Stones because he is, was so incredibly sensitive and his, mm -hmm. his instrument simply couldn't take it. Whereas the Chili Peppers were like, you guys are losers. You don't, totally don't get me, whatever, throw <laughs> your stuff, I'm singing. And, and, I, and I wanna name that because as change makers, we all have an instrument we come to the table with and we all have a nervous system response that we have. And I notice in our um, capitalist, colonized thinking we all think we're just supposed to be the chili peppers but not all of us are and i want to ask you about your the healing work that you do and what you might offer us as change makers um in that space when we're booed off the stage and we literally need to come home and cry yes oh that story is so 
first of all, I can't believe anyone would ever boo Prince. Um, <laughs> like, what? Um, yes, thank you. I really like that as a metaphor. And I just, this idea of like achievement based, the, the achievement based society that we live in, right? Is like we see the victory pose, but we don't see the process necessarily. So we've seen the red hot chili peppers and Prince, and we're like, they're so successful, but like, we haven't seen the, the through line all the way. Um, yeah, so what I would say, and I think, again, this goes back to like you were saying, this sort of colonizer, this very masculine mindset that we are, are navigating. Um, oh, I, I have this sense of talking about time and, and that like time is very pertinent in our society. And so um, if we're not doing right now and if we're not expedient and if we're not accomplishing within a certain frame of time, then we're not successful. Um, and I think the reminder is that anything you do to care for yourself is a renegade act. It is also an activist act. It is also a communal act. And so if you don't get your revolution done in 365 days, like you exactly planned it, remember that every single piece of what we do is information for what we do. This is how we build wisdom. And our personal stories are personal stories because we belong to the collective, right? So my trauma, my experience, my highs, my lows are all affected by the society I live in. The better I understand them, the better I can communicate them, the better I can teach others to be with them. And so we have this feeling like I, I took a year off from um, doing the grind, as I would call it, right? I, I had my movies by her team take the time off also. And I thought, holy moly, what am I doing? Um, I'm losing time. But in the interim, I was able to heal and understand and come back with new wisdom and teachings. And I met people that I would have never met, right? As I was sitting with, with elders in Guatemala, and no one's saying, you know, oh, you have an activist platform, go meet some indigenous folks in the mountains. They're going to let you know how to, like, no, we would never connect those dots for ourselves. But life, and that's that inner trusting, right? Like, what does your intuition say? What does your body say? What, what would the ancestors say? And if they're saying, go home, drink a glass of water, take a deep breath, do it, be able to do it. And not everyone's modalities are the same, right? Like I, I'm a big proponent of meditation. I'm a big proponent of movement flow. Um, if these things don't speak to you, there's a modality out there, right? Go to a float tank, um, drink a cup of tea, scream into a pillow. Um, I just read about this really cool practice um, by Regina Thomas Shower, which she calls swamping. She puts a trash bag on and just gets angry and it makes like a lot of noise and like makes her sweat and she feels really good find your thing right like it doesn't have to be your like perfect zen woo -woo. like nobody has to be able to approve of it but in those moments we see ourselves and in those moments we're vulnerable and vulnerability is a huge strength when you're trying to reform a system that is built on actively not being vulnerable I, I would love to ask you to share, Sammy, um, you, you, you just touched on some of your traveling and your, your journey. I know you've got some incredible stories with some incredible 
elders. And I'm, I'm curious what comes up for you when you think about some of the ceremonial um, wisdom that you've, like what story that you feel compelled to share? Um, I'm, I'm super curious about that. Yeah, the first thing that comes to mind um, is a Mexican tribe that I worked with. And so um, the difficulty in some of these stories is that ceremony is, is sacred. And so kind of treading the boundary between what stays sacred and what, um, what crosses over. But what I will say is this tribe survived colonization by knowing how to live in the mountains, surviving in the mountains, um, and never mixing with the Spanish colonizers. So they basically hid out um, colonization. And, and because of that, they still have a huge grasp on their, um, on their culture and their language and their connection to the earth. And, um, and the concept of acceptance that came from working with this tribe was even mind-blowing to me, even after all of this work that I've done and all of this writing and reading, it, it was that people were welcome and that if people wanted to heal, they were welcome. And that if people were, were broken or scared or hurt, they were welcome to have that experience and that the earth had space for it. You know, you go out into nature and there's room to cry, there's room to be held, there's room to, to spread your arms and exhale. Um, and I think a big challenge, even in my experience in life, being an urban native is a very different experience from being raised on a reservation. Um, and the colonizer mentality has us believing that separate is different and that we don't belong in specific spaces. And this feeling of segregation and polarization pulls us apart even further, right? And it also disarms us and it also disempowers us. And so to see this, this amazing tribe of people not ever have digested that um, to the degree at least that we had and, and to see, see people of all walks of life and say, no, you're welcome. Like, why wouldn't you be welcome? Like, it wasn't even a concept that, like, no, our space is segregated to just us and we're the only ones allowed to heal and practice. It was, and I think a note needs to be dropped there for cultural appropriation, right, because there, there are separate um, conversations going on there, but that the earth has space and almost all of our ancestral knowledge is rooted in the earth, right, no matter where you come from, no matter where your ancestors come from they learn to walk and breathe this earth. And that if the earth has space, we have space because we belong to the earth. Um, and I just thought that was so beautiful and it's informed a lot of how I've moved forward in the world. Thank you. I, I'm gonna pass to Sharon and just I'm curious what comes up for you hearing that story or, or adding to it from your own lens, Sharon. I'm, I'm curious what comes up for you. Uh, Sharon, um, and, and thank you, Sammy. Um, so I'm just stuck on the, you know, you're over here with this tribe, and then and then you fly to New York to do a film. <laughs> it's just, like it's just the two the, the two different worlds, and um, 
just how do you weave those together to to how do you how do you do i know we've, we've talked about the um the practices you know, a little bit about the practices that you have to keep you grounded and and but just i guess i i, I am still blown away by the how you are able to like you, because you sound you're so grounded like to me that's like an otherworldly experience and i don't know if i i, I think i'd still be floating somewhere you know like, <laughs> um yeah for the impact that you're creating how are you how are you um how do you how do you how do you do it yeah i think it goes back to that um, building that inner sense of trust um and i think a big thing for me is always knowing that my ancestors have my back um and that that bond became especially formed for me because I no longer have a, a family here on earth. And so knowing that I have a family, even spiritually, is extremely grounding. Um, and and maybe, you know, one of the benefits of my experience is learning that I have to trust myself a little bit faster and learning that I have to trust the earth and that beyond me a little bit sooner than maybe someone else might have. Um, and, and so remembering that in that, I will be shown. And I know that sounds a little, I, I, like flippant is a word that comes to mind, but like it doesn't, like I don't mean to be dismissive in that way, but like I do have a very strong sense of trust in myself that when I show up somewhere to do something, I will know. Um, and I'll know what's right or wrong. I'll know if I'm in the right place or not. My body will feel it. Um, and that if I feel resolute in the things that I bring from, from like these ancestors or these traditions, the more I've decolonized my mind, the easier it's been to walk into the space and say, I don't believe that this, this is how I believe I should behave and treat and be, um, and, and I might not change my mind. <laughs> I might, I might be steadfast with that belief. Yeah, so it's it's a tricky balance. Yeah, and it's returning to self and returning to self-trust a lot. Um, thank you for that. And I, I guess um, just another thought was, <clears throat> you know, um, because of your of your um, your gifting, your your innate trust um, in, in yourself and and Mother Earth. Um, some people might think, well, you know, your your purpose in life would be something more along the lines of an earthly position, you know, like um, maybe um, teaching Reiki or I don't know something. Certainly not filmmaking, you know, because it's it's so on the, the other spectrum. Um, has has it ever crossed your mind when you were first starting out um, that? Um, that was not um, what was meant for you? Or was it just firm that you knew that you had a voice and you needed to do this? And Yeah, I, I've gone back and forth on that too, um, especially because the idea of doing something like that and living in the mountains or on the beach somewhere sounds lovely a lot. Um, but I think that that this incarnation of self where I chose to be multi-ethnic in a world where that was struggling to accept ethnic identities and that I was born 
um, in midtown Manhattan and, and spent a lot of my life in lower Manhattan, um, that that's not an accident and that the challenges of learning to be Native and learning to be Black and hold these things at the same time and in this space is a gift and, um, and that it's something that I can really speak from with all of my being and not just from reading a book, but from, from growing up and having to learn it firsthand and having to be in it and having to participate. And I think, I think there's space in these sort of personal and spiritual and healing revolutions for every role. And I think, um, it's important to me not to neglect the fact that, that somebody has to walk the line because um, I've worked with a lot of clients in New York City and they want science-based and they want proof-based and that is something I can offer. That's a culture I've grown up in. It's, it, I know how to communicate from the earth through the science to the people and I think that bridge is essential um, because I also know a lot of these people will not go to, you know, the lake in Guatemala. They won't go to the mountains in Peru. That's, it's not a bridge that they'll cross. But if I can be sort of like the ferry between both worlds, um, then it's an, it's an honor to take that on. Thank you. I, I want to, um... I want to circle back as we close because in the question that I asked earlier about the bridge and I asked us to go into the gap because I don't think you're a bridge walker. I said, I think she's a gap steward or whatever, right? And um, this last piece that you offered when you said um, communicating from the earth to the science and you said, I can do that. Like I can do that. I can, I can offer that information. I was like, oh, the information is the bridge. Mm -hmm. The information is the bridge. And um, we as the activists or we as the change makers swim or ferry, we do things in the gap. And I really love the water image that you just offered us as a way to live in the gap and to make and to sense make of the experience that we have and surrender to it. And, and I think you also gave us an invitation to get off the bridge and to get in the water and let the information or let our, let our, the fact that we are having a human experience, letting the doingness of ourselves be the bridge, but we are the water or we are in the water. So I wanna really thank you um, for that. As always, we are so grateful for your deep listening with us. We want you to know that there is a community here that you may not know about yet. We gather virtually every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time for these live conversations, and we call it Gather for Her. This is the place where we begin to weave our individuality together to remove silos and place our hands at each other's backs for activated, intentional action towards a world we all want for 2030 where we prepare for a better world. When you're ready, we're here. Find us at powerhouse.com and get social with us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. If it feels right, you can support this inspired wisdom through Patreon at patreon.com powerhouse. Until next time, keep listening and know we're always here, ready to gather with you.